Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created the show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. The 19th century became the era of advancements in technology, especially with communication, from the telegraph to the radio. Coincidentally, it was also the peak of spiritualism, the belief that ghosts and spirits were real and could be communicated with after death. The radio, telegraph, and phonograph became tools to communicate with lost loved ones and allowed spiritualists as well as scientists to investigate life after death. However, with great successful technology comes great successful failure. Many believe ghost hunting, which is the process of investigating locations that are reported to be haunted, to be born out of a love of technological failure. In 1861, William H. Mumler, a jewelry engraver, while developing a photograph, witnessed a shadowy figure of a young girl appear. Although Mumler knew this to be an error from reusing a photograph plate that wasn't sufficiently scrubbed of its previous exposure, he decided to play a joke on his spiritualist friend anyway. After showing it to him, his friend took it very seriously. And just like that, Mumler's mistake was printed in spiritualist publications as proof of life after death. Mumler's reputation as a man who could photograph the dead took off, and he became known as the spirit photographer. For $10, Mumler offered a sitting with no guarantee of a ghost materialization. Although it may have been first seen as a mistake, Mumler went on to produce many spirit photographs, all with the presence of potential ghosts, including Abraham Lincoln's. In 1969, Mumbler was brought to trial for fraud by P.T. Barnum, who claimed that Mumbler was taking advantage of people whose judgment was clouded by grief. Mumbler was ultimately acquitted because the prosecution could not prove beyond all doubt that he was fabricating the photographs. Still, others tried to solve the riddle of how exactly Mumbler was creating these apparitions. Other well-known photographers of the time, like J.W. Black, the first aerial photographer and L.H. Hale tried to recreate Mumbler's spirit photographs, but had little success. J.W. Black witnessed Mumbler's every step with his own photograph, and still an apparition appeared. It was a man leaning his arm upon Black's shoulder. L.H. Hale tried to reproduce Mumbler's photographs, but had to use two negatives and print one image atop another. Each of Mumbler's photographs were produced on a card using only one negative. Perhaps it was Mumbler's skepticism at first which kept him from believing what he was actually seeing. Still, his accidental invention of spirit photography created a strong connection between ghosts and technology, which remains to this day. As time progressed, more so-called accidents or errors with technology have offered up even more manifestations of the paranormal. In 1953, the New York Times reported that a ghostly face of a woman appeared on the TV screen as three children watched a children's television series called Ding Dong School. Their father then turned the television to the wall when the face did not dissipate after being turned off. In the late 1950s, Friedrich Jurgensen, a painter and filmmaker, experimented with recording birds in his garden on his cassette recorder. 
While replaying back the tape, he heard voices he claimed belonged to his dead wife and father calling out his name. A Latvian psychologist, Konstantin Radiv, investigated Jurgensen's techniques further. He came to publish his findings in his book, Radio Contact with the Dead, validating Jurgensen's experience. Radiv observed that the spirits would speak in multiple languages, sometimes in a sentence and sometimes backwards. Electronic voice phenomena has continued to provide the most prominent evidence in the world of ghost hunting. Yet other tools used in ghost hunting, however, seem to have more glitches, leaving more room for skepticism in an already skeptic field. The K2 meter, which first appeared on the show Ghost Hunters, is a relatively unreliable EMF or electromagnetic field meter. It is even referred to as a ghost meter on Amazon. It is unshielded, meaning it can be set off by other electronic devices, which give off electromagnetic waves like cell phones, two-way radios, or even microwaves. As a result, this device can be easily manipulated, erratic, and prone to many false positives. Yet, its fallibility, along with many other tools on the market, is what lends its popularity in the ghost hunting world. Many say it's in those false positives, static, and glitches, where the evidence lies. Regardless of their reliability, perhaps these devices just serve as tools, much like tarot cards, Ouija boards, and pendulums, which help one to better connect with their consciousness, know they are here for a much greater purpose, and find out there is much more out there than we can understand. Maybe it's in the unknowing that keeps us curious, keeps us evolving, and allows us to strive to do and be better. Today on Love from the Hip, it is my great pleasure to have ghost hunter Ross Allison and parascientist Chad Goodwin on my show. Ross and Chad will share some ins and outs of ghost hunting, as well as their own personal spooky experiences, and discuss their new docu-series coming soon to Amazon called Parasense, The Naked Experiments. So don't go far. You don't want to miss this one. Passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R. Com. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. 
This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at asteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com. Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production, eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you in your mirror. Clinical facials range from $90 and up. Do your face a favor. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more, sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U. URA skinandmind.com In your neighborhood who you going to call Welcome back to Love From The Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe and share my podcast, Love From The Hip. That's H-Y-P, anywhere you can find podcasts. It is my pleasure to have ghost hunter Ross Allison and parascientist Chad Goodwin in the studio today. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and sorry about the song, but, you know. I just oh, had to. No, it's great. It's great. I was <laughs> rocking out. I was actually liking it. <laughs> I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan, so to be tied in with that, that's awesome. I mean, I almost <laughs> want to know what you guys drive, but we'll get to that later. I do have a verse. <laughs> oh, so see, you know. there you go. So, Roz, let's start with you. Yes. How long have you been a ghost hunter? Uh, going on 30 years now. Yeah. yeah. Long time. It is a long time. Now, do you go to school for that? Well, unfortunately, they stopped teaching parapsychology back in the 70s. So I never had that opportunity. So I got a lot of my education uh, reading every book that I could find because this is way before there was ever the television shows. Mm -hmm. So I had to rely on a lot of what was published out there. And then I was lucky enough that I lived in the Bay Area. So I got to go to a few of Lloyd Auerbach's lectures and and learn from him as well. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And so now what about you, Chad? How long have you been a parascientist and what is a parascientist? So- I've been with Ross now for about three years, I think really hardcore. We've known each other for longer. And I see a parascientist, somebody that's really applying the scientific method to ghost hunting or to the phenomena to try to figure out what it is. And again, do you have to go to school for that? There's, I don't think there's school for that. It's, I mean, I've been a scientist for a lot of years. I have patents and energy storage, so I really understand you know, how to create instrumentation, and that's where we hook up best is I can make instrumentation and he can direct me. Wow. Yeah. It's a great team. It is. It is. <laughs> I had all these great ideas because one of the things that people don't realize is, and I know you talked about this in your history, there is no such thing as a ghost meter. Right. You know, I wish there was. It would make our jobs a hell of a lot more fun. But mm-hmm. uh, we have to rely on devices that help us read the environment and lets us know if there's changes in the environment that we can't explain. That's honestly the best we can do in this field. Right. And so by having somebody like Chad on my team, I can now open up so many doors because we can focus on different devices that have yet to be made Mm -hmm. that we feel that could really help us have a better understanding. Because in most cases, a lot of these ghost hunters are so dependent 
on their, as you said, K2 meter, you know? <laughs> That, that's, Which is that's, really just flashy, right? It, it looks, is. looks pretty. It is. And that's the whole reason why it's on TV is mm-hmm. because it allows the cameras to see the readings from a distance. A lot of the other, you know, EMF meters, it's harder for the camera to see the, the screen right. to see that they are picking up some different readings. So that's the only reason why that became so popular in ghost hunting shows. And now people think that's the goal to ghost hunting. Yeah, exactly. And as you said, it, it gives you a lot of false readings. Mm-hmm. It really does. And we're, we're dealing with a society now of ghost hunters where they're so dependent on that odd flash of light to say, oh, my God, I think I'm experiencing paranormal phenomena. And it's not that at all in most cases. Now, do you think a lot of those tools also kind of take us away from ourselves, using ourselves as a meter, using ourselves as a tool? And, that, and that's a great point to bring up is that's the whole reason why we're doing what we do with our documentary series uh, Parasense is we are relying on the body itself because my main focus with this series is I really wanted to focus on touch. Mm-hmm. I hadn't found anybody out there that was really doing any research when it came to touch, the scratch, the push, the bites that people talk about. And it was such an intimate experience. How do you prove that? Right. And so I really started to think about it. You know, when people started coming to me and saying, I had this experience, I was like, well, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to prove. And so I realized that the, the best thing to do, especially when you're going to prove touch, is you really had to have the subject there. You had to put them in this environment where the physical phenomena happens. And again, you kind of have to have them naked. You know, that's why we do the naked experiments, <laughs> to be honest. Right. So if you think about it, if mm-hmm. I was to ask you, how would you prove touch? Doesn't that make sense? Right. Because otherwise you could think that your the wind blew your shirt, exactly. collar, to touch your neck. You have to re- whatnot, uh, right? eliminate all those other things that could cause that false feeling. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's uh, one of the things that me and Chad had realized that it, it really does open up a lot more because now you're also using the body as a sensor. Mm-hmm. as well, because you're able to feel a lot of other things that you weren't able to feel when you had clothes on. Right. And so we really opened up a whole new chapter in the research by doing that. Yeah. And you're bringing science back to ghost hunting. Exactly. So tell us more about your docuseries. Um, tell us the name again and it's called when par- it's coming out. Uh, Parasense. And it uh, should be out in November. And how are you picking the subjects and locations? Well, that was a tough one, you know, being, <laughs> being the one uh, doing this such unique research. Um, and again, I, I searched all over throughout history books. I've got a huge library and, you know, and documentaries and everything, just trying to find some inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, if anybody had ever done this research, no one done. Now, there have been people who have done naked ghost hunting. Right. But that really doesn't prove anything. You know, if you're running around naked, yeah, it might be a trigger of some sort. You know, if the ghost wants to giggle because he's seeing naked people running around, <laughs> you know, it right. could happen. But right. um, it, my thing was I just wanted to have, you know, that controlled experiment and having the person, you know, naked there. So it, it's just, you know, it, it was one of those things that I, I found that once I got out there and I started to tell people what I wanted to do. The guys were willing to do it. You know? uh-huh. It was more intimidating for women, I guess, yeah. to be willing to, to get undressed in front of a bunch of guys, you know, right. I, which I can totally understand. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I, I just took whoever was willing. You know, if you're willing to you know, strip naked, sit alone in a haunted room with equipment all around you, 
awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really <laughs> what started it all. Eric, are you in? Do you want to you want to be a guinea pig on this? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> so so then each episode is a different location. Well, right now, the first one coming out is our origin story. It, okay. it talks about the six years of me doing this research, all these experiments and the struggles I had, you know, because, again, it, the, the science was still very limited. Sure. As I said, you know, there's no meter that tells you has a ghost, but we're but I'm relying on these devices that I had come up with to help me read the environment and see if there's any changes happening around the subject. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, you know, I, I need more. You know, there's these I have all these great ideas. I need somebody to be able to build those ideas. And I actually was on Chad's uh, radio show. He had a, a science community show and I knew he was into the science. And when we had talked in the past, he, you know, he kind of seemed a little more open minded to the idea of ghosts. You know, he didn't come off as I'm a big believer in ghosts, but, yeah, you know, he may, you know, be a little more open. So I approached him. I said, hey, um, hey, Chad, how would you prove touch? <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know. We hadn't talked for a little bit, and that was like the first question I got out of him. And I was like, man, I think I have some ideas right away. And I just rattled off a few random ideas, and he's like, want to join up and like figure <laughs> this out with me? The first thing was to get him out there. Yeah. You know, that, that, uh-huh. one of the things that, I, that I've really learned is um, you really have to experience this stuff for yourself. You know, whether, especially if you're a skeptic. I was going to say, to put his skepticism to rest. Because that's what, they really do need to have those experiences. There's no no amount of evidence that we're going to show is going to convince a skeptic. Or no amount of ghost hunter shows. Yeah, you know. I've watched a lot of them prepping myself for what I thought, what are we going to go do? But it was nothing like. Yeah. Glorified. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was very grateful to have this guy who was open-minded enough to come out see what I was doing, and then what happened, Chad? Then it, it appeared, <laughs> you know, I I had experiences mm. right away at Kook's Tavern. You know, it was the first location we went to. And where's that at? That's in um, it's, uh, it's over Northport, Northport, Washington. Yeah, Northport, Washington. Okay. And uh, we had watched a couple of other people go through the experiments, and I was like, I'm going to have to jump in. And so I jumped in, naked. and I did the experiment. <laughs> And it, it made sense right away as I sat down. It made sense right away why I would have my clothes off. I could feel the entire environment, and mm. it's it was unnerving. It's not something that's natural and normal. And I felt stuff happening, and it was like from a very directional thing, and it it blew my mind right away. And it brought me from being somebody that was like, okay, Ross, you know, I'm on this thing with you too. Join us. Yeah, and I'm like, I maybe I'll believe. Yeah, and I'm that like, kind of that, I think that's when it was like, you know, I as a scientist, right? I found it just really fascinating right away. Like, mm-hmm. what is that? You know, and when I think about the science and why it's fascinating to me, it's mostly because we're using a human, and we have to take this empirical evidence that people have in these experiences and try to couple that with scientific data so that we can suggest something really happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of the factors. So I guess I was really lucky that, you know, and people need to understand with ghost hunting, it's all about being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. You're not yeah, always Yeah, because you said guaranteed. you don't always have an experience, yeah. right? And so here I am lucky enough that he joined us at the right time because mm-hmm. he had those experiences to say, wow, there really is something to this. 
and something was trying to prove it to you. Yeah, something <laughs> was trying to pull me in, I guess. <laughs> and so what is the science that you're also bringing in? Have so, you guys created a tool yourselves? So, yeah, essentially what had happened was when I was out on that first hunt with him, uh, I looked at the equipment that he had, and he had already had a system that he was using to track called SPECTRE. Mm-hmm which is a long acronym. Give it to him. Special Paranormal Environmental Computer Tracking Research Equipment. It's such a mouthful. I never awesome. get it right. So I'm happy he's here for that. Uh, I'm going to test him on this in, yeah, in a few months. On. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, when I saw what he had, it made the most sense at that time to just mimic what he had done. Only he had talked about wanting to map an environment. So I took those sensors and made an array so that we have some directionality to, to start with. So... In the, in the first documentary, it's really just the first step into understanding how to track paranormal activity. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So how do you feel your docuseries is going to impact ghost hunting from, from here on out? I, I think quite a bit, really, to be honest, because we're doing something that has not been publicly known to be done. Um, so we're, we're, we're I, I hate to say it, but I kind of feel like we're the first to, to be doing all this. You know, we're the first to be doing these experiments where we're trying to focus on the physical phenomena. And we're also the first to be trying to track the phenomena as well. You know, or like I said, you know, most of these ghost hunters are just putting EMF detectors out there and, and waiting for it to go off. Right. And we're actually seeing the environment and, it, we're hoping to expand on it, but we'll be able to see when the energy comes into the room, what it's doing in the room, where it's going, and how it affects the living in the environment. And would that also be able to help distinguish between the person actually setting off the ghost stuff on their own? Well, well that's the thing. Is that, if, is if that something that happens? Well, you know, when you get into some of the theories, some people do question the fact that if we are projecting the phenomena ourselves... But if that's the case, we are able to see it. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, and I'll, I'll turn this over to Chad, but one of the first things that we experienced was when he was goofing off and uh, testing the equipment. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, we had a, an experiment where we had a female subject and it failed. In a prison. In mm-hmm. a prison, and the, the experiment failed. So we were trying to work with the equipment to see if we could figure out why it had failed. And it came back up online. And it's an aura uh, reader, so I have my palm on this thing, and we can see essentially the data shows if something is seemingly interacting with you, you see these spots appear in the aura, right? Is it almost like a thermal reaction? Uh, no, have you, you're familiar with aura photography? I, yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's it's the same technology, but it's never been used in this way in the paranormal field. Huh. So I wanted to see if spirits could affect your aura, right? So we did find that when you are having these encounters, there's this dark mass that comes around you, and you can see it through the software, this this darkness. Yeah. So there's this interference that happens when people are being touched or when something's right on them. And so he was experiencing that when he was, you know, just testing out the equipment. And as it kept doing it, I thought to myself, I'm in a prison. I could antagonize you know, I thought maybe I would try to bring something. Bring it on. Now, normally yeah. I don't encourage provoking, so you know. <laughs> and I, yeah, we're going to talk about that later. And I was just doing it basically because as I was provoking, I could see these this mass showing up in there. Mm-hmm. And there was just a point where I calmed down. It went back to my base aura. 
and I started back up, and I, we, myself and Shanna that was in the room heard an audible slap on my neck. I didn't immediately feel a scratch or anything like that, like any pain. Yeah. And it was alarming. Like, I reached back, and um, lo and behold, you know, there was a scratch there. And also, the specter uh, sensors that were on that side of me had picked up some kind of a movement that was going on, not only from a... A, you know, a passive thermal radiation, but also it's the ultrasonics picked up movement. That's so fascinating. And we were, we were, <laughs> re, yeah, and we're recording this data, you know, in microseconds. Uh-huh. And it was fast. It was just a fraction of a second that everything happened that we had caught. So, yeah, so right at the exact moment when that smack happens, you can see through the specters data, something just went right up to them and took off huh. at that exact moment. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Talk about being in the right place at the right time, too. Yeah. (laughs) Well, all right. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break. But everyone stay tuned for the Weekly Skinny up next. On this weekly skinny, I would like to discuss what would happen if you never washed your sheets and or pillowcases. In a recent article in Insider by Gina Ekavaria and Benji Jones, the question is explored further. This would seem like the setup for a horror movie all on its own, and one would have to ask who doesn't wash their sheets and pillowcases? Well, according to a survey conducted recently, 55% of single men between the ages of 18 and 25 reported only changing their sheets four times a year. Moms of teenage boys, I feel for you. Let's talk about what happens on those sheets. You shed 15 million skin cells every night, which you would think would pile up on your sheets, but no, they are instead gobbled up by dust mites. So the longer you wait to wash your sheets, the more food these dust mites have. And if that wasn't bad enough, the longer you wait, the more likely these critters are to procreate and multiply. So simply put, if you don't wash your sheets, you'll be sleeping with hundreds of thousands of arachnids. The article goes on to point out how much worse it is for people with allergies, which is an estimated 20 million Americans. While this number alone is cause for concern, these poor people experience itchy and red eyes, runny noses, and other cold-like symptoms from the proteins produced by the dust mites and their feces. Yes, I said feces. Not to mention the amount of fungi which builds up as well. The article reported that a typical pillow has as many as 16 different species of fungus and literally millions of fungal spores. The most common is Aspergillus fumigatus, which is potentially dangerous and can infect both the lungs and other organs. If you're not grossed out yet, the article also mentions the awful amount of bacteria present on unwashed sheets and pillows. Studies showed unwashed sheets and pillows had 39 times more bacteria than pet food bowls and several thousand more than a toilet seat. 
The last issue with not washing your sheets or pillowcases seems minor compared to the mites, the fungi, and the bacteria, but it is still important to mention, it is acne. All the lotion, oil, and leftover makeup builds up on your sheets and pillowcases, in turn clogging your pores and increasing bad bacteria on the skin, leading to breakouts and also angry skin. Bottom line, folks, wash your sheets and your pillowcases more often than not. Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Today, I have the pleasure of having ghost hunter Ross Allison and parascientist Chad Goodwin on my show. So before the break, you guys were sharing your new docu-series coming out. Can you say the name again? Parasense. Parasense. And they're naked, the naked experiments. The naked experiments. So I have to ask you, why do ghosts want to touch us in the first place? Well, that's an interesting thing because um, it happens all the time. Uh, you know, throughout history, we've, we've come across stories of the tap on the shoulder or the caress or, you know, the scratch. And I, I think it's that, that need to make physical contact to let you know that they are there. Mm. And, and it's not always a negative thing. There's a lot of amazing positive encounters, too, where people, you know, are at their lowest. And they say they feel like, they, you know, their loved one that has passed comes in and just embraces them. Right. So it's those unique experiences that it just I feel it, we could try and validate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so I have to ask you both. How would you define what a ghost is? Well, of course, the most popular theory is it's our soul that has uh, passed on and still lingering around. Um, But to be honest with you, it is a very difficult question to answer because there's still not enough science to back all that up. We rely on faith Mm -hmm. when it comes to a lot of these beliefs. And so for me... um, I, I, I've had enough experiences to know there is something out there, especially intelligent encounters. Right. So I, I want to believe, yes, there's something out there. But when we really try to pursue this on a scientific level, you kind of have to put those biases aside. Right. And I've always said we have to go with what we know and not with what we think we know. And I think that's what makes me and Chad a really awesome team is because that is our goal mm-hmm. is we want to, to know. We want to know what that is. And reveal it to everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And from the data that we have, you know, it suggests that there's an exothermic reaction. That's how PIR would pick it up. It's a, it picks up passive radiating heat moving objects. And so from what we've caught, we see there's an exothermic reaction possibly happening. And there also seems to be some kind of a densification because the sound waves have to bounce back from the sonic sensors Mm. to be able to tell you the distance. And and so that's what I find that's what I find is so amazing is like you're there, you don't see something happening. You don't see it, but something's happening. 
and then you have the data suggest that there's maybe a one form or two forms of how this thing manifested and happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a long ways to go, but that's good data. But each time it's putting more of your skepticism to rest, right? Yeah, it gets gotcha. hard. <laughs> it gets hard, right? Well, yeah, when, you're a science When minded. you start, mm-hmm. when the data starts showing up and says, hey, there's a trend, things are happening, and mm-hmm. you're able to pick it up, it's hard not to start becoming a heavy believer. Yeah. And I think you had mentioned, Ross, because I'd I'd seen you with George Norrie in a live interview, and you were just talking about recording, people recording their own data, right? Mm-hmm. And you recommended people who are experiencing maybe a haunting to use a journal. Yeah, journaling. Can you explain more about yeah, that? Yeah, journaling is so important uh, for the fact of if you're trying to um, be more uh, cautious in your research, you really need that raw data that information of what actually happened. And, and people don't seem to understand when we're talking from a, a client's perspective, when you have these unique experiences, um, if you don't journal it, what happens is when you start to tell people your experiences, um, you can easily exaggerate them. It's not your intent to lie to people. It's you want people to believe you. You're not crazy. You had this experience. And so you learn to tell your story better and better each time. Mm. And a lot of times that the information that we need as paranormal investigators can easily be misled. And we really want that raw data if we want to have a better understanding of what is truly going on out, going on out there. So for clients, it's really important to write down those stories right when they happen. Yeah. Because another thing we've learned, too, is after three minutes, you can easily forget a lot of details of what had happened. I mean, I forget when I opened the fridge, right? <laughs> yeah, why, why did I come here, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it is really important when you're, you're experiencing paranormal phenomena to write it all down right away. Okay. You don't have to make it a big novel, just some bullet points of what you remember. Mm-hmm. But also, too, journaling can help you as a paranormal investigator. My team journals their whole encounter Um, when we walk into the building and when we walk out, Mm. um, I require them to at least be journaling every five minutes. I want to know when you walked into the room, even if you're in that room for just a minute or less than a minute and then walked out. I want that time frame because when you start to go through the investigation and you start to have experiences like, oh, there was a strange noise at 1145. Now I can turn to my team and say, where was everybody at 1145? Mm -hmm. And we now make ourselves accountable. And they can tell us exactly where everybody was at that time, what was going on. And you may find out that somebody on the second floor dropped their flashlight. (laughs) Right. You know? Right. Exactly. And that could explain that noise that the team in the basement heard. Mm -hmm. You know, because in some buildings, especially if they're old and abandoned, noise travels Mm -hmm. very easily. So do you also have people log their mental state when they oh, go yeah. into these hauntings? And, and that's uh, very important as well, because when you're dealing with possible poltergeist phenomena where they believe that it's actually coming from a living person on the property, uh, logging your emotional state uh, really does help to see if there's patterns to that. Because if you're dealing with a situation where you're going through stressful conditions, fighting a lot, that's when things tend to happen. Mm-hmm. Then we, we can identify that pattern. Right. Well, just like you were saying, right, with the aura, Chad, you were able to see as your feelings, right? Yeah, you're able to see, have that feedback happen in front of you. And just to add to his journaling, scientists, we have lab notebooks. 
and we're constantly journaling our thoughts, our data, what we think we learn from it, our conclusions. And so putting that all together and not just looking at the environment or the time, but doing the work ahead of time to say, hey, you know, the day was sunny, you know, try to get as many other data points around what was going on. There was an electrical storm that day. There was whatever that mm-hmm. is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And get that stuff down. He's right. You then have a way to go back in time and look at your data and say, hey, if there's a stream running next to a building, we, we it seems like we always have this thing happen. Or if we have an electrical storm. Looking for patterns. There's patterns, something that's yeah. happening, yeah. right? And that is... Otherwise, you're just taking empirical evidence and just saying, I had an experience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, we're trying <laughs> to make it not just your personal experience, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's what's so hard because a lot of these encounters that people have, it is just their personal experience. Mm. And so if we can, you know, collect more data, and I always say there's nothing wrong with too much data. Unfortunately, I think we're, we're dealing with a, a lazy ghost hunting society now because yeah. people want instant gratification and we've learned that it's all about, you know, hours upon hours of recording. Doing the work. It you took, know? Uh, we had 10 million data points during uh, Parasense that we oh, had yeah. to go through. 10 million data points were picked wow. up. And that's because also in the experiments and what, uh, you know, going along with journaling is understanding how to baseline a space. And so we put the instruments out and let them sit there in that space and record constantly all the time, hours at a time, overnight, and all kinds of stuff because there's environmental things that you might pick up on one of your EMF sensors that is just happens in that space. And you don't know it unless you record the data to understand every five minutes there's a blip here or there's something else in that space that's making this happen, you know. Yeah. That has to be done or you go ghost hunting and you literally don't know what you got. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So I have to ask you, what's the difference then between a haunting and maybe just a ghost being stuck in a loop. Is that a thing, a ghost being stuck in a loop? One of the things that we try to determine when we go out and do an investigation, and I'm talking about my my group alone, a ghost, the Advanced Ghost Centers of Seattle Tacoma, um, we always try to determine what kind of haunting are we dealing with. Is it an intelligent haunting where it interacts with the environment and interacts with the living, or are we dealing with uh, a residual haunting? where it's just like a trapped memory loop that just plays itself out over and over again. And that's another reason why journaling is so important yeah. because you may notice that pattern of you know, something happening. So when we do an investigation, if we can identify those patterns, then we know the best time to be there to try and capture that phenomena as well. That's wonderful. Well, thanks for sharing that. Oh, no problem. And with that, we're going to take another break. So everyone stay tuned for more Love from the Hip. Passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, 
Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R.com. I want to take a minute and invite you on over to the Love Shack. It's a little old place where we get to get together, explore fresh perspectives, eavesdrop on juicy conversations, and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about, but absolutely influences our relationships. And we're Tom and Stacey Bartley. We are the hosts of Love Shack Live, which airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. PST, 1150 KKNWAM. Yeah, come on over and join us. We look forward to connecting with you soon. Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Learn more. SakuraSkinAndMind.com S-A-K-U-R-A SkinAndMind.com Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you are just joining us, today I have the great pleasure of having ghost hunter Ross Allison and parascientist Chad Goodwin on my show. So I have to ask you, aside from touch, is smell a part of it too? Oh, yeah. Definitely. There are a lot of cases out there where people have identified smells, uh, especially when it comes to cigarette or cigar smells or perfumes that are particularly tied to a certain haunting. Um, I've been to brothels where there has been this rose scented perfume that will come up out of nowhere. Mm. And this is a, a location where, you know, there hasn't been anybody in that environment for, for decades. It's completely abandoned. So you would think that if there had been uh, a, a spilt bottle of perfume, it would have that smell would have been gone, gone. a long, yeah. long time ago. Mm-hmm. But you will still have these situations where people are triggered by smell as well, especially uh, from a loved one. You know, a loved one may have had a certain smell or or perfume that they would have worn. Yeah. And you'll find that every once in a while that smell will just come out of nowhere right. and just remind you of that person. So quite possibly, Chad, you could work on equipment to measure the smell? There are <laughs> nano-sensing materials that can pick up smell. I mean, nothing is yeah. outside the realm of what we want to do for experiments. Sure. Well, and all of what you're doing, too, will lend to the psychic world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there are physical mediums who prove that the, the spirits come in and touch them, but they're also not measuring it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's what a great thing that I think our research will definitely help people that we can validate that there is this elemental wor- world out there that we can't explain. There's there's something there. And what can we do to prove it to you and even to ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one thing that uh, I find that we, we tend to miss on a lot of these shows. That they're so dependent on one little thing to prove that there's a haunting. We're not like that. We want to have different things to validate that one encounter. Like, you know, Chad was saying, you know, he had a sound. He had a scratch 
and Spectre picked up something. That's three things to validate that one encounter. Yeah, it's huge. All right. So when you are working with those who are psychic and sensitive, it would be nice to utilize this equipment that when a psychic goes in and says, oh, I feel that there's somebody here, wouldn't it be nice to have the Spectre system to say, yeah, there's something there too, <laughs> you know, to Absolutely. prove that. And it's better than a pendulum. It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> so do you both have to feel like you need to protect yourselves when you go into these spaces? I, I feel what protects me the most is being respectful. Mm. You know, you, you never know what you're up against when you go into these environments. It could be very positive. It could be very negative. And so for me, and a lot of people have asked me, oh, my God, you know, how do you protect yourself when you go into these places? And I, and I just feel just having a level of respect when you go in there. It's those individuals that go in and provoke and, you know, say, yeah, I don't believe you prove you're here. You know, you know, I think it's that type of attitude that's going to upset whatever's there. And they're probably thinking, yeah, I'll get you. <laughs> Not right now, but I'll get you, you mm, know. So I'll follow you home. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, if I was on yeah. that other end of the spectrum, I think that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Not while the cameras are watching. You wait. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Chad? Having been, you know, in the environment and antagonizing, like he said, I was reckless during the documentary. But I was reckless because I wanted to get some response. I Mm. wanted to provoke a response. And, you know, Ross had told me, he's like, this is not, this is not what we do. You don't do this. But I can understand it from a, a scientific perspective. You know, you, 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 you definitely want to do, yeah. yeah, you want it to happen, mm-hmm. you know, cause you can't always just sit and wait and hope for the best. Right. Mm-hmm. If there's something you can do yeah. to try and trigger that response, I, I guess we kind of have to be a little more open to it. Right. And Absolutely. we were in a prison. So, you know, provoking anger, violence is part of the culture, yeah. you know? And so we were just, I was just trying to push that and Yeah. So essentially, you think you can make a place haunted through intention? There are some theories out there. Um, One of the uh, interesting experiments uh, done uh, was the Philip experiment. And they felt that uh, after a group of people made up a ghost, they they gave him a name, they gave him identity, they gave him, you know, even down to what he looked like, to the job he kind of did. And they focused their attention on this uh, fabricated character. And they claimed that during, you know, seances and EVP sessions that they actually made contact with that being. Mm-hmm. So again, you, you kind of have to be open to that elements. Are we manifesting some of these spirits ourselves? You know, the, the power of the mind is an amazing thing, a, a big mystery ourselves. That's super true. Yeah. So have you been scared yet? I've been startled. Okay. You know, I, I, I've been in situations where um, I, I have to say there was one time where I didn't want to be in the location. I don't know why. Mm. It was the first time in, throughout my career I was put in a space where I just wanted to leave. And I was really upset with myself. I was just like, why am I feeling this way? Can I ask you where it was? It was at the Bel Air House in okay. Bel Air, Ohio. Okay. It's been a feature on a lot of shows. And it's a place where a lot of physical phenomena has happened to people. I mean, physical attacks where women were, I hate to say it, uh, raped Mm. by something. 
Mm-hmm. Um, men have been pushed. Uh, one guy was almost pushed out the second story window. So that really doesn't bother me. You know, I've heard and been to a lot of places where a similar phenomena has happened. But for some strange reason, I was in the room where a lot of this activity has happened. And I just could not shake that feeling like I don't want to be here. And so, again, I'm being very respectful. And, and the, the team I was with, they like to investigate alone. Now, I don't investigate alone. I always have a buddy system when yeah, we investigate. <laughs> yeah, but they like to investigate alone. So I'm just going along with their practice. Sure. And I'm alone in this room. I'm trying to shake this feeling. I'm just doing what I normally do. You know, just doing an EVP session saying, hey, if there's somebody here, you know, I, I mean, you know, disrespect. Uh, I just offer you a chance if you want to talk. And I'd ask the question, can you give me a sign that you're here? And right when I asked that, the thermal camera flew off the tripod into the air. <laughs> and I screamed. <laughs> it was like a, very a girlish pri- scream? It or... was a primal scream. Come on. <laughs> no, <it wasn't>. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. Yeah. And, and it was just one of those situations where even after having that physical experience, uh, you know, you'd think I'd want to get out of that room and, and move on. But no, it, there is that, you know, an intrigue like, oh, my God, something happened. This yeah, is curious. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they the team had run up, you know, because they heard me scream and they are you OK? Are you OK? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> They're like, do you want to keep going? I was like, well, yeah, after that, I guess I'll keep <laughs> going for a little bit. So they end up leaving. They go downstairs and and I hear the front door, you know, shut and I'm thinking, oh, great. They left me completely alone in the house. Oh, gosh. And at this point, I'm really concerned about my own safety. Right. I just saw a camera fly off the tripod, and I know the stories of what happens in this room. So I start to call for them to say, hey, guys, you know, could you please, you know, just be available if something happens? And they're not responding. I'm like, I'm yelling louder and louder. I'm literally screaming probably louder than I screamed. And I, they're not responding. So I had to pull up my phone. I had to turn it off airplane mode, and I, I texted him. Mm-hmm. I texted Dave, I, David, and I said, you know, you know, just want to make sure you guys are available. And right after I sent the text, I hear him yell from downstairs, are you okay? Uh-uh. And I'm like, um, did you not hear me screaming? Wow. They're like, no, we didn't hear anything. That yeah. gives me goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> and that's only half the story, believe me. <laughs> well, we could do a whole other show on all the hauntings, <laughs> we, too. I know you've could. been to a number of them. How many would you say you've been to so oh, far? Oh, probably easily over, easily over 500. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. So what do you guys both hope for the future of ghost hunting? Well, I really hope that, the you know, the research that we're doing, you know, will challenge other people to do this, to start working through, at, you know, putting the scientific method toward ghost hunting. And I'd also hope to see maybe some collaborations because there's so many there's so many groups out there and stuff, and they have all this data and they know locations. Right. So it'd be good to work with other groups as well. Yeah. I, I really am focused on trying to bring back the credibility in this field. I, I feel we've lost it uh, because of, I hate to say it, bad television shows. Um, this this uh, again this instant gratification that people want. They don't want to do the work. The glamour. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm all about the credibility, and um, I, I hope that we can change the field as well. I hope we're. I hope that me and Chad can open more doors into another elements of the paranormal that people haven't explored yet. Yeah, amazing. Well, can you tell my listeners how to find you both and follow you, and also mention your book that's coming out as well? 
Yeah, so definitely. Uh, I always encourage people, follow me on Facebook, Ross Allison Ghost Hunter. I do a lot of live uh, feeds from places I get to investigate. Or uh, you can also find a lot of my books on Amazon if you want to check that out. Or Spooked in Seattle if you're in the area for ghost tours. I do the ghost tours. Or a ghost.org for the, the group that I run. Um, but also, too, uh, in uh, 22, me and Chad are working on a book called Parascience. And we're bringing all of our research together and hoping to uh, elevate the field in that as well. So awesome. And so if anyone is experiencing a haunting right now, should they call? Definitely. Definitely. I'm always <laughs> looking for interested. places. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Especially if they're being touched. I want more <laughs> exactly. cases like that. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to go on the show. Well, we'll see. Maybe. All we'll right. talk afterwards. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for being here today, both of you. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you to Eric, my lovely producer. You, the listener, KKNW, KBKW, and Cape Town Zone Radio. Love the show. Don't be shy. Drop me a line at sakuratlovefromthehip.com. And stay kind out there, stay true to you, and don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead, I dare ya. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com.